I'm just going to talk to you today. Uh, God's laid some stuff on my heart, and, and we're going to go on into the names of God today. And today, the name uh, that we're going to go into is Jehovah Nissi. And it, it basically is defined as God, our banner. Now, we've talked about God, our Elohim. We talked about God, creator. We've talked about, uh, thank you, Austin, so much. Um, we've talked about um, Jehovah Rapha, God, our healer. We've talked about Jehovah Jireh, God, our provider. These are the names that, 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 that God gave himself through his servants throughout the Bible. These are the names that he prefers us to use when we're dealing with him and reminded of who he is in our life in every particular need that we may have. Uh, the Bible tells us, I'm going to start out here with this. Um, I'm going to try to answer some questions today that we've seen in the Bible that I believe God, our banner, can, can provide for us today. Uh, the Bible says in Matthew 6, 38, he said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom. Everybody say with me, kingdom. The kingdom of God. And his righteousness. Not our righteousness. Not looking to us, but looking to him. And watch what he says. And all these things. Now, if you go in and study that, I don't have time to go there today. We're talking about God, our banner, okay? But, but if we'll go into all of that, into God's, God, Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, you're going to find that everything you have need of and everything you desire in your heart when you pray. Now, notice he says when you pray. Well, that's when you have your mind on him, Right? Not when you go to the car dealer and they talk you into getting in that car. Do you know what the percentages are of you buying that car once they get you in it? That's why they want you to test drive it. That's why they'll look at you and go, oh, just take it home. Take it home and bring it back tomorrow. I had one ask me that one time. Then won't you just take it home? We were, we were considering. We did not buy it. But I, I was considering it really strongly. He said, go ahead and take it home, Dean. He said, enjoy that car for the weekend and bring it back Monday and let's make a, a good decision. I said, so can I take it to St. Louis? Uh, well, uh, 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 well, I was planning a trip down to Gulf Shores over the weekend. Could we take it there? Uh, no, 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 you can't take it there. You can't put that many miles on it. What he was wanting me to do is he knows the tactic is if I can get you to get in that thing for a little bit. See, that's not the time to talk to God about a car. Because your flesh is working too hard for the car. Amen? That is not the time to get the car. That is the time to call the flesh down, make him sit in the back seat, turn around walk away, Think about that for a little while and talk to God about it. When he said he'll all these things, he's talking about things that come when we are, the things he's put in our heart. He said he would give us the desires of our heart. 
ask anything and I'll do it according to my will. According to my will. Well, he's got two wills here. One is the will to give it to you. And the other is to give to you what he wills to give to you. And what you got to do is go to the Bible and find out what he's willed to give you. Whatever that is. You, you're, honey, wives, all of you, you're the sweethearts of our life. And your desire, every woman's desire is to have a home. They don't want just a house. They want a home, right? Well, go to the Word. Quit trying to provide that yourself. If your home is not your dream home, then quit, quit, be thankful for what you have, be grateful for what you have, praising God that you have a roof over your head and all of those things. That's being thankful for what you have, but knowing that God, this is not the desire. God begin to put the desire in my heart. What is it that I want in a home? What would I like to have? Okay? Because then you can find in the scripture that he said, I will give you houses that you did not build. Well, that's hard for us to wrap our head around. But you know what's even harder to wrap your head around? I go away to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. And then one day a trumpet's going to sound. Earth is going to lose gravity just for you. Not for everybody, but just for those who are blood-bought, blood-washed. And we're going to meet him. Now, how hard is that to believe? But it's in Scripture, and we believe it. It's also in Scripture, I will give you houses. He didn't say you had to keep them. He didn't say you couldn't give them away. He didn't say you couldn't lease them and make that an income. He didn't say anything else. He just said, I'll give you houses. Now, after that, isn't it time to talk to him? Hello? Before you even get to believing for houses, isn't it time to talk to him? How would that apply to me, Father? I, I, I was golfing with a fellow one day, and we walked by a home that was on the golf course, and I said, man, isn't that a pretty one? Oh, I'll never live in something like that. I'll never have anything like that. I couldn't join in that conversation. Eyes have not seen nor ears heard what God has in store for those that love him. <laughs> I'm not putting a limit on God. Are you going to put a limit on God, what he can do for you? She's really enjoying this message. She's over here just a smiling, yes. Um, so I want to talk to you today a little bit about this banner thing, all right? If you have need of something, go to God. Now I'm going to show you how we get there, okay? So I want to give a scripture here that we've, we've struggled with, all of us have struggled with, is Romans 8, 13 and 15. Now remember, we're talking about God, our banner, Jehovah Nissi, all right? As is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. How many of you read that before? How many of you struggle with that? 
that God loves one and hates the other. How many of you struggle with that? Before I got, before I got knowledge on this, I had to sit there and wonder, which one am I? Have I traded the things of God? I mean, what, what was the characteristics of what God hated? Esau traded his birthright for a bowl of soup. How many times have you made a decision to trade something for the glory of God and for what God wanted? How many times have we been asleep at night so tired? We've worked so hard. Our body is so tired, and God is waking us up and saying, Come on in the living room. Come talk with me. Come on, I want to sp spend some time with you. Or, or we've driven down the road and that voice comes and says, turn that music off and turn on some praise and worship. And we didn't do it. What did we make a trade for? See, I'm just saying, I'd read this and go, oh God. <laughs> Jacob you loved, Esau you hated. I, I, I don't want to fall in that, that position. What's that got to do with Jehovah our banner, just stay with me. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Hmm. So God made a choice. And this is very interesting. What was God's characteristics in dealing with Jacob and dealing with Esau? If he hated Esau, in our mind, if God hates somebody, what's he going to do to him? If God loves somebody, what's he going to do to him? It's, it's going to really surprise you. And this is very important. This has so much to do with you being more than a conqueror through Christ who gives you strength, okay? Now, I'm, I'm going to dunk you down today, and I'm going to mess with your theology a little bit today. Because here's the facts of the matter. God never one time did anything to correct Esau. He just let Esau go. But he corrected Jacob. The Bible tells us that he chastises or corrects those that he loves. Okay? We're going to go a little deeper than that. Because the metaphor of Jacob and Esau. See, I, Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob and Esau, okay? And there was an inheritance, an inheritance. Now, Jacob was not perfect. We have a lot of great stories about Jacob and, and his imperfectness, okay? But even in his imperfection, God loved him. And even in Esau's whatever, whatever. Esau was a great hunter. Esau was the manly man. Jacob was the girly boy. Now, if you, if you put me in that situation, I can tell you who I would have chosen. I would have chosen Esau. 
but from the womb God chose Jacob. We need to be very careful when we read memes and see reels and all this stuff, and it talks about how God um, is not going to show up with this stuff going on and not going to show up with that stuff going on, and God's not going to do this with that. He's just going to leave. He's not going to be around. Okay? Be real careful with that kind of message. There's two kinds of messages you need to be really careful with. One is a message that brings to you an idea that if you have stuff in your life, God's not going to show up. If you've got trash in your life, God's not showing up. Okay? Another message you need to be very careful with is a message that, that you, yourself, and I can get it done. When the Bible says where two or three come into agreement, He's not talking about me, myself, and I, because there's no accountability with that, and there's absolutely no unity with that. Everything you see, that is against everything that the Bible talks about from Revelation. You got to know, you got to know what the Bible talks about and the overall view of it. And when you look at the overall view from Genesis to Revelation, God never did anything with one person by themselves, ever. Ever. He never made one man an island and I can get by all, all by myself. Anything that trains you to start thinking that way is a training to isolate you. And an isolation is where Satan can destroy you. That's, that's, just, a, that's just a strategy of war and warfare. Divide and conquer. And the moment he gets you to thinking or even down a road of teaching that gets you to a place where I, me, myself, and I, and God, and that's all I need, you are in trouble when you start getting that established in you. That's why the Bible says iron sharpens iron. God made covenants between men and himself because he needed those men to come together and work together. When you have to work together with somebody, you have to humil you have to you have to get humble. You have to humble yourself and everything doesn't go my way. Cuz guess what? It all wasn't developed for it to all go your way. How many of you know that is a fact? So Correction is a good thing because God loves who, who he corrects and he only corrects those that he loves. And listen, if you got junk in your life and trash in your life, but you know God saved you and you love him and you, you want more of him and, and you don't even know how to get there, but you got all your struggles over here and you're, messing, and, and you're messing up and messing up and messing up, you're just the one for God to show up and visit. Of all the places, Asbury. Of all the denominations. Come on. The first ones to put a homosexual pastor in the pulpit? 
The same ones that the very week Asbury broke out, they were in conferences deciding on whether they were going to go nationwide, worldwide, and accept lesbian and homosexuals into the pulpit 100%. And, and, and they're going to accept the, the LGBTQ agenda. They were voting on that. And where did God show up? Don't tell me he doesn't show up in the trash. He does show up in the trash. If you got trash, guess what? You're just about, you're in position. It's those that don't think they got any trash. Or God's never made them aware they have any trash. Jacob never knew he was wrong. He was just mad when he found out. Or, or Esau never Esau never was corrected. Esau never thought he did anything wrong. Esau was just mad when he found out that Jacob got that. That Jacob Jacob took this thing serious. And he took my birthright. And he was furious about this. Now, let's go down the road a little bit. Israel has, or he, the Hebrew people have chosen to depend upon everybody else for their resources. They find themselves in a clutch situation and they have to move to Egypt. Okay? Now in Egypt, what happens is the walls close in on them and it's not long before the government in that situation, they were friends in the beginning and they became foes very quickly. It wasn't long before they were captured. Now, they were captured. Now, after a long time of crying out to God, understand, these are the children of Jacob. Okay? Esau still out there in the wilderness somewhere. But he's busy. He's working on stuff. Might not seem much right now. Not, might, might not recognize him much right now. But he's working on stuff. And you need to understand that the Esau will always keep working on stuff, all right? Jacob, on the other hand, is in captivity. Finally, a redeemer comes, Moses, and through God. And notice how God moves. He moves and he does a symbolization here. He uses a staff. Remember, he goes in and tells, he tells Moses, you pick up that staff. Now, you pick up that staff, throw it down. Throws it down, it becomes a snake. So now pick up that snake, it becomes a staff again. Remember, don't forget in that story that it was in the wilderness that God said, put a staff in the ground, a rod, a pole, and put a snake on it. And when they looked at the snake, don't miss anything in the Bible when he's talking, because he's talking. And that staff turned into a snake, pick it back up, it's a, it's a staff again. And when God told anything Moses to do, he told him, you, you lift up that staff and lift up your hand. What was he saying to him? What was he saying to him? It takes the staff and it takes my right hand, my mighty right hand. My, what he speaks of his right hand as your salvation. Your rescue, your deliverer, 
will always be in the right hand of God. But he always uses the staff along with it or the rods or the banner. A banner in that day was not a flag. We've added a flag to the banner. The banner is just a pole. Where was the curse hung? On a pole. Oh, we call it a cross because they had to put a, a member on there, a cross member to get him nailed on there, but that really wasn't, it was a pole. And on that pole was our banner, Christ Jesus. Okay? So in the staff, remember, the staff is also, and I'm going to just brush over this, but throughout Scripture, staff is also, and pole or banner is also referenced to bread. Okay? All right? That's a good thing. That's a good thing. All right? Because Jesus referenced himself as the bread of life, right? The bread of life. Healing is the children's bread, right? I love this. This is just so good. It's a little deep. It's a little rich. You're going to have to listen to this over and over and over again to get this in you, to understand you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who has strengthened you. How do I be? See, we're struggling becoming the conqueror. Okay? We're struggling in that. We've been born again. We've been blood washed. We're blood bought. We're a child of God, but we're wrestling with stuff. Now watch what happens. Moses comes in, gets them out, and they're out traveling. They have been set free from Egypt. He stretched out the rod and stretched out his hand, and the waters parted. He got on the other side, turned around, stretched out his rod, stretched out his hand, and guess what happened? The enemy was washed away. They go on. They, they're, they're having a big party. They head on out. And the next person they run into is Amalek. Remember that? Have you read that? Amalek is the problem here now. He showed up. When did he show up? Right after victory, right after salvation, right after glory of God has hit. And we're, we're, all of our troubles are behind us. All of a sudden, Amalek shows up. You know who Amalek is? He's the grandson or great-grandson of Esau. Oh, now we're starting to understand. <laughs> Jacob I have loved. Esau I have hated. Amalek shows up. And the Amalekites. Later on, it becomes the Amalekites. Amalek showed up in an ambush. God gave them the victory. He's always going to give them the victory, but they're still around. Down the road, you run into a time when Saul has been made king. One of the first agendas after Saul got in there and made king, God let Saul fight. A few battles, and Saul won, and victory was Saul's, and Saul was feeling pretty good about himself, just like after every victory, every victory, we feel like everything's going great now, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win, 
I'm a winner. And God said, Saul, your next assignment is to fight against the Amalekites. Who are the Amalekites? Well, they're the descendants of Amalek. Who's the descendants of Amalek? Esau. Who's Esau? The one God hated. The one God won't do anything about. The one God won't touch. He's always sending somebody else to take care of that. And that somebody else is you and me. He's always sending you and me after that. Okay? Now watch this. Saul goes out there to fight the Amalekites. Now the Amalekites, they got some stuff. Some really good stuff. Their heifers are nicer than his. Horses are nicer than his. Some of them women are prettier than his. That king ain't too shabby himself. We'll hold on to a little bit of this. And that's when God stepped into Saul's life and said, you are now no longer king. Hold it. Wait a second. Saul begged Samuel, anoint me again. Say in front of the people that I am the king. Say in front of them, bless me again. And Samuel says, I'll have to go talk to God about that because I can only bless who God says to bless and I can only curse who God says to curse. He goes to talk to God and comes back to God and says, or comes back to Saul and says, can't help you. Your kingdom is done. God has already chosen another man. How did that happen? How did that happen? He chose Esau over the call in his heart. He said, I'll repent. You're, you're not going to repent. You did what you did because you wanted to do what you did. Your heart never has been with. Your heart has always been there. Now, let me ask you something. We're going to go get I'm not going to ask you something. I'm, I'm gonna talk. The question we got to ask ourselves, because watch this, what Samuel does. Samuel's a prophet. Samuel's one who comes in the name of the Lord. Not everybody likes Samuel. You read the stories of Samuel showing up in town, and nobody likes Samuel showing up in town. Gossip starts taking place. What's Samuel doing here? What's going to happen next? What's going to happen? God's, God's going to show up. When God, well, you know what happens? When we're, when we're conducting our lives away from God, we don't want God to show up. We become like Adam and Eve. We want to hide in the bushes. And let God just pass on by. And then when he's gone, we'll step back out and everything's okay. Because after all, we are saved. After all, we're born again. But when we, we just really don't want the presence of God to really show up. Because if the presence of God really shows up, I, I got mess in my life. So they, Samuel's showing up. They didn't want Samuel showing up. Samuel called to Saul and said, you get your jailers and you bring to me Amalek. You bring, you bring the king of Amalekites to me now. And he showed up and he said, he showed him, this is how you deal with the Amalekites. And Samuel, the prophet, Samuel, the voice of God, pulls out a sword and cuts this man up in little bitty pieces. A bloody mess. 
and then turns around and says, that's how you deal with Esau. Now, let's get to the metaphor. You know who Esau is? You know what the representation of Esau is? Our flesh. You know what the representation of of Jacob is? Our mind, will, and emotions, our soul. God loves us. He hates our flesh. He hates it. And we're praying because somebody gave us some kind of an idea that if God doesn't fix it, then we're just cursed. If God doesn't take care of it. See, God will deliver. You watch God. He'll come in and maybe break the chains off of somebody. But right after the chains are broke, right after the water parts, right after the enemy is gone, right after everything's defeated, guess who shows up? The flesh. But Christ said, or, 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 or the writer, Paul said, through, through the inspiration of, of the Holy Spirit in Christ, you've been made more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens you. Hmm. Hmm. The only thing that can destroy your flesh is Jehovah Nissi, the banner of God. What is the banner? It's the cross. It's the pole on the ground. Watch what Jesus said. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, okay, if we're going to come after him, if we're going to be a follower of Christ, if we're going to follow after him, he said, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Take up his cross daily. That is not taking up your hardship, taking up, well, God called me and nobody likes me and I I have to witness and I have to do this. That's not the cross he's talking about. The cross he's talking about is not the telemarketer who drives you crazy. The cross is not Verizon, although there's been times I've been in Verizon and I thought it was the cross, but it was not the cross. Anybody ever know what I'm, been there, you know what I'm talking about, okay? There's a lot of things we as children of God call the cross, persecution, all that. There is no reward for persecution of you. There's only reward of persecution of Christ in you. I know that just doesn't go over well. But you might have to change to get along with people so that you can work with them so they're not persecuting you all the time. You might have to sweeten up if you want people to like you. 
He might not just be able to say whatever rolls around in your head at the moment and just spew it out, and it may hurt everybody's feelings, but, you know, that's the truth. Well, it may be the truth, but not all truth sets people free. Sometimes truth puts them right in bondage. Sometimes it's just not good to say whatever's on your mind. But you'll keep doing it until you put that on the cross, until you lay it down on the banner of God, amen, He, by miracle, through his blood and his mighty right hand, he saved you. And he is constantly working on your mind, will, and emotions. Why? Because that's who you are and he loves you. The only thing you're not leaving this earth with is your flesh. It ain't going to heaven. It's got no ticket to heaven. It will die. It will turn back into dust. It is not going with you. Matter of fact, when you die and you get your new body and you get to see it for the first time, you go, my, 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 my. Look how beautiful I am. Hello? Because you ain't the old flesh you once were. This thing's going to die. I keep it alive today for the promise that God has given me, for a purpose to be a light unto men. Paul said, I am crucified daily. You know whose job it is to do the crucifixion? Ours. God will not touch your flesh. He'll heal your flesh. He'll restore your flesh. But he is not punishing your flesh. See, the power in this promise is that means he cannot put cancer on you. He cannot put a tumor on you. He cannot blind you. He cannot give you a disease. He cannot give you a malfunction. He's not taking a leg. He's not taking a finger. He's not taking an ear. He's not turning your your hair gray. He's not doing any of that. He's not making your joints ache. He doesn't correct Esau. He doesn't come in and fix Esau. You can cry out to God, oh, take this hunger away from me. Take this, take this, 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 this um, addiction away from me. And God can come by, lay hands, somebody lay hands on you, or you in your prayer closet can deliver you from that, that bondage. But I promise you, the moment you get done shouting, and the moment you get done in your victory dance, Esau's showing back up. The flesh is going to show back up. And you're going to, well, how do we do this? By transforming our mind, which is our reasonable service. Because he's given us the power of the cross. See, the power of the cross was not just to save you. The power of the cross on the flip side of that was to conquer everything in your flesh. Do you know why we can't hear God 
most of the time? Our flesh. Do you know what causes us to go do one thing instead of learning more about him, training our mind, developing it, restoring it? You know what causes us to make that decision? Our flesh. You know, it causes us to eat stuff, and we know we shouldn't be eating it. But we wake up in the middle of the night wanting it, and we eat it. Now, that's not your soul doing that. That's not your spirit man doing that. You know what that's doing? That's your flesh. Listen, I'm preaching to the choir today, okay? I'm not on you. I'm saying this message is for us. We've got to wake up to who is in control here. Am I in control? Is God in control? See, the only way God can be in control is if my mind, will, and emotions relinquishes that control to him. But he's never in control as long as my mind, will, and emotions is controlled by my flesh. And what happens is we let the flesh have control and then we make excuses in the word as to why it says what it does and well, it doesn't really mean that. Oh, it means exactly what it says. When he said man's days are 120, that's exactly what he meant. Who said that? Who said that? God did. Remember, it was God who said that. David's the one that said 75 to 80. God said 120. And what do we say? Well, nobody lives to 120. Nobody. Why? There ain't nobody going to live to 120. That's, that's for the Old Testament. No, that was before the law. Hello? That was before the law. Matter of fact, look how God says it. He even says it with a little disdain. I cannot always, I cannot always strive with men. So the longest I'm going to wrestle with them is 120 years. Did you just hear that? I'd like to give them more, but I, they wear me out. They can only have 120. Now that's what God said. You can only have 120, you wear me out. And we go, why, well, nobody gets 120. I remember when I said that the first time, you can't believe the critics that came out. People that, that I thought loved me. Are you crazy? You can't. Nobody lives 120. Where in the world are you getting your... Where are you? You're, you're getting out there now. What does God say? He said, I will give you houses. I'll cause your youth to rise up like eagles. Moses climbed a mountain and could had vision to see into the promised land with distinction. And we go, oh man, turning 60 is like a killer. Do you know why? We're listening to our flesh. Our flesh is telling us what we're going to think and what we're going to do. Not the Word of God. We've got to write. God gave us something to destroy that, and it's called Jehovah Nissi, the banner. We can take that banner. What's that banner? What's it represent? What's it representing? A transformation. Who hung on that banner? The Word. 
What's going to transform your flesh and give you power over your flesh? The Word. We need to be working on our flesh before we work on anything else. And then we work with husband and wife and our children. Then we're ready to get out there and work. Know what the Bible says and you won't get led astray. Your flesh wants to go in that direction. That message, that, that, that thing of, of, of just me, myself, and I, I like that. Rose, I like that. That means I can just skip church. That means I can just, I don't have to fellowship with all the Christians. I don't have to bridle my tongue when I'm around other people. See, you might have a cussing problem. That's okay. You got a cussing problem? That's all right. Listen, God works with you where you're at. It's okay. But when I'm around other Christians, I have to bridle my tongue, not cuss like that, because I might offend them. Here's a real good one. I listened to a, pre, a, a, a you, you really want to get into this? Let's get into this just really quick. Great praise and worshiper right now is rising up, almost like a Darlene check. He's, he's amazing. Tattooed all over, rough looking. You would not, you, if you saw him, you'd think Harley Barr. And God is raising this man up. Beautiful voice. He's, he's just amazing. Got sent, he, God sent him to a church to pray, lead praise and worship. They brought him in there. And he's leading praise and worship in the first service. The first service more of the younger people, you know. And it's the early crowd. And, and he got up there, jeans, t-shirt. And, he's, he's, and God shows up. People are getting healed. People are getting delivered. People are baptized in the Holy Spirit just by, pray, just by him playing. God is, I mean, God's moving on this man. And just all these miraculous things, people getting saved. It's an amazing service. After the service, he went to the back to sit in an office and rest for a minute and pray and meditate for the next service. Knock on the door. He opens the door. He says, yes, sir. He says, one of the ushers. He said, I got a note for you. It's from one of the board members. He said, okay. He says, is it a request or something? He says, no, no, you just, I'm gonna st I have to stay here and wait, wait for you to read it. He opens it up and says, for the second service, you must wear khakis and a button-down. You can't wear jeans and a T-shirt. Okay? He said, okay. Took the, he says, you can't do this unless your flesh is crucified. So what I did is I said, get somebody to run out to Walmart, get me a pair of khakis and a button-down. And guess what? God showed up in the second service just like he showed up in the first service. Not because of those people and their hard-heartedness, but because of his ability to submit himself to God without rebelling with everybody else. Whew. There's a revival coming with an awakening on the tail end, and I'm telling you, it's going to change all of us. <laughs> it is going to mess with us like big time. This stuff of chest out and fist, fist drawn ain't going to work anymore. Amen. But it's coming. I told you, I'm not sure I'm ready for it, but I want him to come. Amen. Amen. I mean, uh, oh, I want to see him, look upon his face, but then I get to thinking about the, what that will be like, and I'm not so sure I want to do that right now. <laughs> Amen. Am I the only one in the house? 
Folks, he's given us a gift called the cross. And we can look to it. And we can, it gives us the power through his word to crucify this flesh. All we have to do is look to him. Quit trying to do it yourself. Quit waiting on God to show up and wave a magic wand. Roll up your sleeves, get in your prayer closet, and ask God, where did this come from? How did it get here? Now, how do we get rid of it? And it might take you pausing for a moment to talk to the enemy because you have power over him. And there's a force behind Esau. And don't you, don't you forget it. There's a force behind Esau. And sometimes you got to talk to that force. And the good news about that is with your blood-boughtness, with the, with, with the paintbrush of God's blood from head to toe on you, you have full authority to talk to him. And the Bible says when you resist him in that speech, he will flee from you. He's got to go. Amen. And then you got this flesh to deal with. Don't let an addiction take you to the grave early. Don't let an addiction steal your life. Don't let something get a hold of you and take away what God's given you and the authority that you have and the presence of God that you're supposed to be dwelling in. Don't let it happen. Go to God Nissi. Go to Jehovah Nissi. Go to the go to the cross. Amen. And serve up the flesh right there. Amen. Amen. God bless you today. We love you. Thank you so much. You be blessed today. It's 11.09. Praise God. Get out of here and go get some lunch. Father, we love you today. We praise you. We glorify you. Holy Spirit, in the future and even in this day, Father, we're, we want to give you, Father, the floor. We want to give you, Father, the floor in our life. Father, you get the stage, you get the microphone, you get, you get the voice. And Father, we, we set ourselves down and we listen to you. And Father, we listen to you and we obey you. In Jesus' name. God bless you. We'll see you next week.